It's 8 o'clock. This is Northern Light for Monday, February 26th. I'm Monica Sandresky. And I'm Todd Moe. SUNY campuses are expanding their mental health services. We'll have details just ahead. Also, we'll talk with the Officer of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at SUNY Potsdam for today's North Country Work Story. If you're coming from the city, for me as a person of color, it was my first time uh, sitting in a classroom where everyone did not look like me. And that can be challenging in itself. A few skaters recently caught the perfect day out on Cascade Lakes between Lake Placid and Keene. You need, like, perfect conditions. You need to have really cold weather after not having a lot of snow so that you can get this, like, perfect flat ice. And there wasn't wind when it was forming, so it's smooth and beautiful. And a retired science teacher in Clinton County uses original audio to share about his road trip to see a total solar eclipse as a high schooler in 1970. Look at the red spot at the bottom. Look at the... Yeah, look out. Here comes the sun. Don't look. Don't look. All of that's coming up on Northern Light. Stick with us. Broadcast of Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio is supported by Adirondack Experience, the museum on Blue Mountain Lake, presenting their new Eclipse Experience Zoom series on select dates in March and April. Details at the adkx.org. And Apothecary Chocolates, making gourmet chocolates by hand from all-natural herbs, botanicals, and tree syrups. Apothecarychocolates.com. This is Northern Light. I'm Monica Sandresky. And I'm Todd Moe. A nonprofit in Lake George will get more than $4 million from the state to acquire lands around the lake and protect its water quality. The Lake George Land Conservancy says most of the money will go toward protecting more than 700 acres in Bolton. The rest will be used to purchase a forested property in Lake George that contains more than 1,500 feet of streams. The Conservancy says protecting these lands will help prevent erosion, filter sediment and pollutants, and help with flood resiliency. The state also awarded $4 million to the Thousand Islands Land Trust in Jefferson County. That'll be used to purchase a large conservation easement and help protect Lake Ontario's water quality. New details have emerged about the death of a man in Saranac Lake last week. Police identified him as 37-year-old Ramond Morch. His body was found last Wednesday under a bridge along the Saranac River. According to police, Morch had been living under the bridge and his family members discovered his body. His autopsy was described as inconclusive pending a toxicology report. Police say no foul play is suspected and there was no threat to the public. For today's North Country at Work story, we wanted to know what it's like to work in diversity, equity, and inclusion at universities in our region. Anna Williams-Bergen has our story. SUNY Potsdam is one of the most diverse places in the North Country. Around 8% of its students are Black, and another 10% are Latino or Hispanic. Around 70% of the campus identifies as White. And that's not a lot when you compare it to the town of Potsdam, which is 88% white. A lot of SUNY Potsdam students come from more diverse urban areas like New York City. 
For them, college might be their first time in an area that's so rural and so white. If you're coming from the city, for me as a person of color, it was my first time uh, sitting in a classroom where everyone did not look like me, and that can be challenging in itself. Dr. Jacqueline Richardson-Malesio knows what that's like. I once was one of those students because I'm originally from New York City and came upstate to the University of Albany uh, to study. And it felt like I was in another world, miles and miles away. And it was my first time uh, leaving home. So there was a lot to get used to, right? It's this new freedom, uh, but you're trying to find things that are familiar. Richardson Malesio is SUNY Potsdam's chief of diversity in charge of DEI. That stands for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. And it's about creating a campus where everybody feels welcome, regardless of their race, gender, sexuality, or ability level. How are we being inclusive? How are we acknowledging, recognizing, celebrating, and showing respect for the diversity that our students bring to the table? Not just our students, but our faculty and our staff members as well. Richardson Malesio raises these issues across campus, in the classroom and curriculum, but also through events and trainings. She says the goal is to create an environment where students can learn from each other. For our students, we want to make sure that they have the skills and the tools to have conversations about differences and that they're open to learning about people from different communities and different backgrounds. That's I think, is one of the most important parts about being on a college campus. Richardson Malesio has a tough job here. She's navigating stressful conversations about race, difference, and how we should treat other people. Even the existence of positions like hers is controversial. Many conservatives have led a backlash against DEI. It's even been banned or severely restricted at public colleges in states like Texas and Florida. Here in New York, all SUNY schools have a DEI officer on campus. And Richardson Malesio says that everyone she's asked to have a conversation has been willing to talk. I have been invited to the table, whether it's a committee uh, looking at curriculum or a faculty member that might reach out and say, I think we could use a training on this topic. It's important to have this conversation. And what's wonderful is that I don't have to be the only voice. It is a shared responsibility when it comes to this work. But it's not just about tough conversations. She's also trying to help every student feel at home here in the North Country. One question she gets a lot is just, what do people do for fun around here? So the DEI office tries to show them. Skiing, going camping, snowshoeing, because there's so much richness out here. And so how do we create those opportunities for our students to exchange and learn about the culture here as well? She says her favorite part is when people she works with get that aha moment, when something finally clicks. What you hope for, I guess, is that part of what follows what are sometimes just a few moments with someone or an hour in a session or two, um, that hopefully there's reflection after, that there's connection or a change in behavior. Richardson Malesio's background is in social work. She says that passion for helping people really carries through in what she does now. That is the hope, right? That we can all do better, that we can all gain insight anytime that we come together. Um, the work to me is 
really highlighting what to me is the best of our humanity, which is how do we show up for others? It's that showing up and working together that Richardson Malesio says is at the center of what she does. For North Country Public Radio's North Country at Work project, I'm Anna Williams-Bergen in Potsdam. You're listening to Northern Light right here on North Country Public Radio. It's eight minutes past eight. Good morning. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. In April, almost all of the North Country will go dark and cold for three minutes in the path of a total solar eclipse. We'll hear from a listener about what his experience was like in totality as a teenager in 1970. That's coming up in just a few minutes here on Northern Light. Music by Eddie Lawrence out of Moira. Northern Light is supported by the Village Mercantile, bringing Saranac Lake to places beyond the Adirondacks, offering Adirondack-made and inspired goods. VillageMerc.com, anything but general. Mental health services for students at SUNY campuses are expanding. WRVO's Abby Connolly has details on the new state-funded focus on mental health. Close to $10 million in annual state funding will be used to increase mental health services and support for students on SUNY campuses. SUNY Chancellor John King made the announcement during a visit to the SUNY Oswego campus. King says the investments will address two key challenges. It's a critical issue, and and there's both a recruitment challenge and a retention challenge. The main focus for the investment will be to hire, retain, or extend contracts for campus mental health staff and expand telehealth options. At SUNY Oswego, investments will include hiring more staff to support students of marginalized backgrounds and extending counselor contracts to provide services throughout the summer. King says SUNY Oswego has been a model for other campuses' counseling services. What SUNY Oswego has been doing over many years has been expanding uh, mental health supports and trying to create a culture where students, faculty, and staff understand that mental health is help, uh, that there's no shame in asking for help. King says the investment would not have been possible without the support of Governor Kathy Hochul and the state legislature. The investment will expand services at 28 campuses and support more than 200,000 students. In Syracuse, I'm Abby Connolly for the New York Public News Network. 
The town of Herman in St. Lawrence County will, will be spending millions to fix its entire water system. WWNY-TV reports the problems range from leaks to low water pressure. The lines service the Herman DeKalb area. The town will spend $7 million on the project, and it'll take about a year to complete. The project will also hook up a fifth to a fifth natural spring to provide water for the area. Town officials say that will double the water supply which in turn could lower water bills. The Salvation Army in Messina is planning to upgrade its kitchen to make regular hot meals for people in need. That's according to WWNY-TV. The local Salvation Army director told the TV station they want to open a soup kitchen that serves lunch three days a week. He said Messina already has a once-a-week soup kitchen and the Salvation Army runs a food pantry, but that's not enough to meet the community's needs. The kitchen renovations would cost about $100,000. The state will provide half of that, and Alcoa is donating another 30000 but 20000 more dollars are still needed. The right conditions for outdoor ice skating are pretty tricky, but when the weather aligns, it's pure magic. Reporter Amy Fyrezel has been keeping an eye out on the Cascade Lakes between Lake Placid and Keene. And last week, she got out on the ice for one perfect afternoon. From the shores of Cascade Lake, I can see two men skating tight circles in and around boulders near the lake's eastern edge. You're using, like, ski poles. I've never seen that before. Normally we carry hockey sticks, but we're not playing hockey today because we're... It was just a skating yes, day. Yes, it is skating day. Perry Babcock and Greg Denon are both 67. As children, they played hockey together in Lake Placid. And you're still playing hockey all these years later. Yeah, it makes you feel like a kid all over again, so it's good stuff. Lower Cascade Lake runs east to west. It's skinny, about a mile long, and with mountains on either side. Denon and Babcock have been skating this lake for decades. But this winter's skating windows have been brief and fleeting, with thaw after thaw after thaw. But still, they're lucky, says Babcock. We're still high enough at elevation up here in the Adirondacks, so we... I grew up downstate, and all the ponds skating down there is gone. People just, the ponds just don't freeze anymore. So up here, we're still lucky to have it. Today, they were scouting the ice for a locals hockey game, Lake Placid versus Keene Valley. And usually we have a very uh, strong rivalry with our friends from Keene Valley. They're called the Beavers, and we're the uh, Lake Placid Bombers. bombers. The Bombers versus the Beavers. Bombers versus the Beavers, and the Bombers always win. If nothing else comes out of this, the bombers always beat the beavers. Of course, there's no way to fact check that. Not long after Babcock and Denon pack up, a group of kids arrive, bundled to the nines. They're here from North Country School, which is just down the road. Their teacher, Sierra Grennan, says they had to seize the moment. You need, like, perfect conditions. You need to have really cold weather after not having a lot of snow so that you can get this, like, perfect flat ice. And there wasn't wind when it was forming, so it's smooth and beautiful. It's a little windy, so some of the kids move cautiously. But others skate with wild abandon, fast, backwards. A few have hockey sticks and pucks, including middle schooler Ziggy Moore. Now, you're pretty comfortable on the skates. I've skated since, like, the age of, like, three, four. I've grown up doing a lot of pond hockey with my dad and brother. And have you been skating here before? This is my first time skating here. Definitely not the last. Ice is, like, the best I've ever skated on outside of a rink. Everyone I meet on the ice is wearing hockey or figure skates. 
except for one woman who I first see gliding at the far western end of the lake. She's making these big, graceful strides in ski boots attached to a long piece of wood and blade. Can you explain what it is you're, you're skating on? I am skating on what's called a Nordic blade, and I am able to use my cross-country ski boot. Nancy Battaglia, the prolific Adirondack photographer, has had her Nordic blades for over 30 years. She says they're great for in-the-wild skating. Uh, You're able to handle the lumpy bumpies a little bit better than the shorter blades. You can go pretty quick. Be careful of that track. Don't fall in it. (laughs) Battaglia's an ice chaser. She's part of a group of folks who are always looking for ice and reporting back to one another. And this is one of the places that was reported good. And then yesterday woke up to three or four inches on the ground of snow, so that usually ruins skating. I know, but then I drove by here yesterday and I saw the wind blowing the snow off of the lake and sort of like getting it this burnished kind of clean look. And that's exactly, I drove by as well and said, well, there is no snow on it. It's been blown off. Battaglia leads me to a patch of particularly clear ice. Now, how's that? Wow. Oh my gosh, you look down and it's like totally clear with these tiny little bubbles frozen in there. It almost looks like balloons. Instead of going up layers of balloons, it's, you know, it's bubbles going down. And it's just so clear. You can look straight down. As we skate west towards the setting sun, the ice gets blacker, glossier, the bubbles bigger. There's no telling what conditions will be like tomorrow, so we savor every moment on the ice. Amy Feierisel, North Country Public Radio, on Lower Cascade Lake in Keene. You can see photos of folks skating on Lower Cascade Lake in the online story at ncpr.org. Listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandraski. Coming up in just a minute, we hear original audio from not one North Country resident's view of a total solar eclipse back in 1970. Then stick around after the show for Bird Note How Birds Help Berries Transport Seeds. That's coming up at 842. First, Todd has a look at the weather for us. Spring like temperatures the next few days, then colder and then milder. So we're starting out this week. Uh, with highs this afternoon in the 30s, mid-40s, maybe a light snow shower, light winds out of the south-southwest tomorrow, uh, 40s into the mid-50s, and then Wednesday, 50s into the low 60s with some scattered rain on Wednesday. Then temperatures back in the 20s and 30s on Thursday and Friday. Then for the weekend, highs back up in the upper 40s, low 50s for Saturday and Sunday. Bit of a roller coaster. So right now in Canton, we have 38 degrees. 
Thousands of tourists are expected in the region in early April to view the total solar eclipse. Almost all of the North Country will be in the path of totality on April 8th, when the moon will completely obscure the sun for about three minutes. For those of us who have never experienced totality, we wanted to know what it would be like. So we caught up with Andy Sager. He's a retired science teacher from Peru High School in Clinton County. And he shared his story with Monica Sandresky about his road trip to see totality as a teenager in 1970. In high school, Andy Sager wasn't exactly, in his words, a socially active kid. He and his good buddy Dennis Cassia were self-described astronomy nerds. They even built their own aluminum-domed observatory in the backyard of Dennis's Westchester County home. And in the fall of 1969, they hit big. A total solar eclipse was going to cross the eastern seaboard the following spring. We gotta see this, they thought. You know, I have to give... 100% credit to Dennis. He's the one who said, oh, yeah, we could do this. We could do this. I'm sure we can. Andy pinpointed their destination. Dennis inventoried their telescopes, sun filters, and cameras. I think our film of choice was ectochrome on the telescopes and kodachrome uh, for just the cameras uh, in plain use. Then in early 1970, Andy, Dennis, a few other buddies, their physics teacher, and their dads trekked 600 miles from Westchester County to Kinston, North Carolina. And my dad, thank God, he had that uh, little cheap cassette recorder. (laughs) About one more minute. So it's kind of distorted, but this is the original audio Andy's dad recorded the day of the total solar eclipse, March 7th, 1970. And you're down here on this beautiful day in Kinston, North Carolina. And uh, I, do you think you'll have a successful uh, event? No, see how it could possibly go wrong. It was a sunny late winter day in an open field on the campus of Lenoir Community College. There had to be... Oh, probably a hundred people scattered around. Some of them set up with telescopes, but a lot of them just hanging out there and kind of looking to us. We were probably the most complete, quote, science team there. Andy's dad, Lad Sager, interviewed everyone in their cohort that day in the style of an old-timey news anchor, including Dennis's folks. Very good, very good, very good. Do you have anyone else uh, with you? Oh, yes, we're a group of ten people. Ten people, that's, that's wonderful. Right. And uh, who is your associate over here on your right? That's my son, Dennis. Dennis, let's go over and talk to him. All right. Dennis, what kind of equipment do you have here? Well, we have a 603 reflector, and right here is a sheet, which I'm going to take pictures of shadow bands. Pictures of shadow bands. What are shadow bands? Shadow bands, shadow are... bands he's saying. Those are wavy lines of light that make services look like they're undulating before and after an eclipse. Your name, sir? Uh, Andy Sager. And where are you from? Uh, Pleasantville, New York. It was more than 50 years ago, but Andy's memories are vivid. I had set up a six-inch Newtonian telescope with an equatorial mount, and it had an electric clock drive. Running up to the actual start, it was checking everything, rechecking everything, and, and being so involved in that, you weren't paying attention to anything else except the equipment that you were going to be responsible for. Also, we're shooting 15 millimeters. 
black and white to uh, possibly make a movie for future use in uh, my high school physics class. As it started getting closer, you could hear the crowd start to get quieter and quieter. Then the gasps started coming. Here come the shadow bands. Where? Yes, look at it. And it looked as if the ground was undulating towards us, like it was rolling. It was a, you know, an optical yes. illusion, like an earthquake roll. Bring the camera, Andy. Oh yes, yes, I see. All right. Hey, look at the horizon. Quick, look at the horizon. Having totality hit was such a shock because the temperature dropped. It felt like 20 degrees. Everything went black. The animals. Uh, you know, there were birds stopped singing and, and all this other noise around. It just, that quieted it right down to nothing. But the roar of the people. <laughs> there's, there's the Venus to the left. They went to work shooting on infrared black and white and infrared color film. They timed their photos, varying their exposures and shutter speeds between them. Next one I'm going to do will be 20 seconds, twice as long. 101, 102, 103. This is Andy's dad shooting on one of those old-fashioned 1920s plate cameras he brought for fun. That's two down. They got shots of sunlight passing through the gaps in the moon's rugged terrain, known as Bailey's beads, and also the faint corona of the sun starting to peek out at the end. Yes, look at the red spot at the bottom. Look at the. Yeah, look out! Here comes the sun. Don't look! Don't look! Andy, don't look! And it was over. That was it. <laughs> Six hundred miles. <laughs> and it's funny because I heard my dad say 600 miles for 90 seconds or something like that. All that. All that just for that. But that purple flash. Did you see that purple as it came out from Oh, wonderful. They packed up their telescopes, filters, and cameras and hit the road home, wringing their hands over how their photos would develop. They didn't need to worry, though. The photos turned out great. Seeing one is really awe-inspiring. You'll you'll never forget it. Uh, it's to me, it's on a par with when I went to Antarctica. It was a par of being in the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Um, it, it's 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 right up there. Now, fifty-four years later, Andy and Dennis are hoping to reunite here in the North Country on April eighth. For him, experiencing totality is one of our peak moments of being human on Earth. Monica Sandresky, North Country Public Radio. You can find photos of Andy and Dennis at our website, along with a couple of the photos that they got that day. Find them at ncpr.org. We're going out on a little bit of music from Kate Taylor. The singer-songwriter is performing this coming Sunday at the Greenwich Folk Festival in Washington County. You can find out more about her and the whole lineup at greenwichfolkfestival.org. This is her cover of Good Day Sunshine.
And that's Northern Lights for this Monday, February 26th. Have a good day. Yes, indeed. Morning Edition continues in just a minute. Then after that, it's the Marketplace Morning Report at 851. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. Thanks for joining us. Be well.